0: Some of the free shows this season include Izkali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Denver deserves sidewalks. That's what voters said back in 2022, but now the city is talking about changing how we fund them. Me and producer Paul Caroli are digging into the latest sidewalk drama, plus some hot goss on Illegal pizza. Today is Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hi, Paul
1: hey good morning Bree good morning so Bree uh you uh you went to Casa Bonita for I think the what 12th time now
0: uh only the fourth time since the reopening
1: okay only so, four uh-huh <laughs> yes
0: I I want to be clear I keep getting invited I don't have a special way mm-hmm. to get in this is not my own tickets this is not a even a press thing this is people in the world love me and want to take Casa Bonita, I don't know.
1: You are fun to go with. I get it. I get why people want to go with you. I Thank also you. like how your wardrobe is getting increasingly Casa Benita fied <laughs> Just have to throw that out there, too.
0: I forgot I was wearing a Casa Benita shirt this morning.
1: <laughs> I would say I mostly see you wearing Casa Bonita garb these this days. This is the
0: the only time I didn't buy something on this last round was because we went, we were like one of the last reservations, so we actually were there for sort of the let out of Casa Benita. And it was oh. so chaotic and we couldn't really, we didn't have time to shop, so. Oh.
1: Sorry about <laughs> but that.
0: It's okay. Um, my one update about Casa Bonita, before mm-hmm. I move on to the other thing about Casa Bonita, is um, mm-hmm. adults, you can order off the child's menu if you would prefer chicken tenders over Mexican <laughs> food.
1: So, I'm sure many would.
0: <laughs> I did. And uh, those Cisco chicken tenders with a giant side of ranch were Fantastic. <laughs> that's the route I go these days. So.
1: Uh, Casa Bonita, same as it ever was.
0: Kind of. That was kind of my take was like, hmm, okay, just like back in the day. Mm. Um, but the reason I really wanted to talk about Casa Bonita is this great art show that opened last Friday that I got to stop by before we went in. Um, it's at Next Gallery, which is yeah. so cool. I am embarrassed I hadn't been there since they moved over to this spot. Um, I think for old Denverites, I think this building was a bingo hall for a long time. It's in the middle of the Casa Bonita parking lot. It is now a hub for a bunch of different galleries. So, um, but next gallery hosts annually this Casa Bonita inspired art show. And this yeah, year's they've been theme... doing the,
1: it's like six years or something they've been doing, and then this is the first one since the reopening. This is yes. kind of this is an interesting thing. I'm curious how artists responded.
0: You know. So the, the theme was, how do you like me now, which is like sort of a look at this new version of Casa Bonita. And I would say, I bet, I'm sure a lot of artists have not been able to go in. So I, I would say that was reflected in the art, in the feelings of what it was and what it means to them. Hmm. There's some really cool pieces. I mean, this is an art show that's open to anyone. And so you the, the winning piece were these beautiful platform boots that were pink that someone had painted like Casa Bonita homage, it was, it was so cool. Um, but it's like, you'll see that, there was uh, like <laughs> massive uh, felt or fabric, uh, so papillas, it was cool, it was really cool. Um, but I my favorite piece was by a friend of mine, um, Tom Edwards, who's uh, he's a sculptor and a potter and he made this Casa Bonita pyramid And he was like, he said he was so, he had been in a creative slump and he was so inspired by this prompt that he came out of his creative slump and built this beautiful pink pyramid to sort of an homage to Casa Bonita as a portal to another universe. And uh, with it, he's selling Casa Bonita coins, which are like little, well, I can't, it's hard. I can't really show you on the screen, but um, one of these coins, these Casa Bonita coins says saviors and it's a picture of Matt and Trey. And there's a bunch of dollar signs. <laughs> he has a great sense of humor. Um, and then the other coin I bought says visionary and it has Bill Waugh on the back, which is the guy that opened and the guy that created Casa Bonita. Mm. So um, fun show, great art show, all kinds of just really interesting pieces, photography, just everything you could imagine. And if you're, you're missing the old Casa Bonita, I would feel like this is a great place to go and have those be in your feelings at this show. It's great. It's great th-
1: this is interesting to me because i, I i'm thinking about um our, our our pal and regular guest joshua emerson who works there now last time we talked to him about it he was he was telling us about how furiously the the story department has been building out the lore around casa bonita and i'm just getting <laughs> inklings here of like th- you know thinking about these artists and thinking about this like ip project happening inside the company now this new era we're in of like uh Like, who controls what the story is? I think is the next question for me around Casa Bonita. And what what is the story of Casa Bonita?
0: That's a great thing to think about because there have been upgrades, as Joshua has told us, to, and we experienced them a little bit when we were there, Paul, with like. Oh,
1: they're phenomenal.
0: Different characters walking around. It's a totally different world. I think they're leaning into the immersive nature of it very smartly. But you're right. It's a much different story. And and I will say the group of folks I went with to Casa Bonita this last time, uh, over half of us were old school, had been going there since we were kids. So the expectations were very high, I would say. And there was a little bit of grumbling about the sort of janky nature of the old entertainment not being there anymore, if that makes sense
1: that's what i'm talking about you want to see cliff divers with the fear of death in their eyes
0: (laughs) and not wearing matching beautiful costumes like just some guy in his swimming trunks which is what you used to see or black bart uh just a regular guy sort of with a cowboy hat being pushed into the water (laughs) so that doesn't exist anymore and i would say that was a little bit frustrating for some old school fans but the trade-off is the costumes are beautiful now. The lighting is amazing. The sound is awesome. The the cliff divers really get their due this time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's I, I found it to be awesome. I enjoy the change. It's a new mm-hmm. era.
1: So um, so if anyone's got uh that email, you know, the golden ticket to get inside, would you accept another invite? Go a fifth time.
0: <laughs> I will go anytime. Anyone ever wants to go. I will never say no. I'm available. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we should probably move on because we yes. pro- we could obviously talk about this. We could talk
0: about it all day, but all it's week. not what we're talking uh, about. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board We, as Denver voters, voted on something related to our own sidewalks last year, and a big change has been made to that. So, Paul, can you explain what we what we even voted on?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, if you'll remember, before this vote, in 2022, actually, is when it happened, um, Denver was full of crumbling sidewalks, incomplete sidewalks. It still is. Yeah. Um, but then Jill Locantore and the Denver Streets Partnership um, and our you know transit loving community got people really excited they made this campaign and then uh, in 2022 55 percent of Denverites voted to uh, on this on this measure Denver needs sidewalks was how it was known um, and the idea was basically to levy a new tax to uh, create a plan and then build out the city's network of sidewalks
0: why are we changing it? What's ch- why are we changing?
1: Great question. Um, so I talked to Jill Locantori last week after this announcement of some proposed changes to what we voted on. And uh, she explained to me that in the aftermath of that vote, that the city received a bunch of complaints, really, from from all kinds of folks, people who had a lot of different issues with some of the specific um, aspects of this proposal. Um, so some people were like, this tax is designed unfairly because what we passed was based on linear footage. So property owners would be charged based on how much of their property is adjacent to a street. Um, and then other folks were angry about the equity provision. They said uh, it wasn't aggressive enough. Um, and initially in in the the ordinance that we passed, there was this This idea, what they're referring to as this discount. If you were living in a low-income area, you'd get a 20% discount on the fee that um, everyone else would pay. So those complaints led the city council to vote last October to delay implementation of the ordinance to this coming July. And then they created a committee that Jill Locantore is the chair of um, that met and started talking about what other ways to do this would be. And the ordinance itself did leave space open for this. They said city council could, could adjust um, how this happened. Um, but basically what they were doing was they were talking about what would be more equitable, what would be more fair. Um, and they had a lot of different ideas. And then last week um, they announced a few proposals. The biggest one I think is uh, the one that would eliminate that linear footage calculation. So instead of having the rate you pay be based on how much of your property is adjacent to a street, you would instead pay a flat rate uh, based on the average of what property owners would have paid under that previous system, which is average very confusing way to say about
0: $150 is what everybody's paying.
1: That's what that's their proposal for what everyone would pay. That's homeowners. it.
0: Mhm. Wow. That is and, a uh, that's a huge change to this.
1: It it could be for some people. I mean, that's the average. So there are going to be people probably uh, way in one direction that would have paid like $1,000 and probably some people that would have been paying like $10 or $20 depending on the length of their sidewalk on their property.
0: I guess $150 doesn't seem too bad to me for an improvement in my neighborhood. That would serve everyone. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that $150 isn't always easy for everybody to handle, but that's just much less than I thought it was going to be. So I I think this is interesting when we're talking about square footage, because you and I in particular have very different lots. Like we're a great example of how different this could have played out, right? You're a corner. You have a corner lot. You have a sidewalk that goes all the way around a corner. And I have just have a little strip. In front of my house. I mean, if it existed, I don't have a sidewalk.
1: Yes. So yes, for sure. So the the complaints that some people had about unfairness, I I I understand them. <laughs> um, there was a calculator that the folks who pushed for this ordinance put out at one point about, like, to show you how much you would pay. And um, I I plugged our lot, and it was like three hundred and seventy dollars. So this proposed oh. change would be very good for me personally. <laughs>
0: Well, sure, but I just wanted to show like how different it could be because I think sometimes it's hard to picture what does that matter? A sidewalk's a sidewalk, but it really truly matters what your lot looks like if you own if you own a house. yeah um, I
1: mean this this would be a big change from what we voted on.
0: And that's what I think is interesting. You talked to Jill, the person behind that original um, legislation, did she give you any insight into how she felt about the changes? Or I imagine she had to be pretty pragmatic, but.
1: Yeah, not not really. What she told me was that this committee basically took the vote from back in 2022 to mean that the will of the people was for there to be a tax to fund sidewalk repair and construction. And then they, from there they debated a a bunch of different ideas. They talked about like, maybe we should do based on area or based on square footage of the overall lot um, instead of uh, this linear, you know, adjacent to the street thing. Uh, But what they ended up settling on was this new average.
0: Hmm. So, this does this take the low the low income part of it out of the equation? Everybody just pays pays a flat rate right now.
1: No, that one's actually different too. At least the proposal. Um, and now all of this would have to be approved by a supermajority of city council, um, which oh. they're hoping to make happen before implementation is scheduled in July. So there, there's going to be a whole process of hearings, and they're looking for feedback from people before the end of the month. We'll put a link in the show notes if you have feedback. Um, so this this does still have some time to go, and you have strong feelings about it, you should you should make them known now. Um, but the the low income aspect of this, it what the change would be, at least what they're proposing is that the blanket neighborhood discounts, like previously under the ordinance, it was just like, if you live in Elyria, Swansea, you get a 20% discount. Um, Now what they're doing is they're offering the, they're, they're proposing to offer the 20% discount to specific properties that fulfill very specific uh, criteria around equity, as opposed to just everyone in the neighborhood. So it's, it would be a little bit more targeted and sounds like it might cost the city a little less.
0: Interesting, interesting. Well, why why does this all matter? Uh,
1: I, I think I think for me, my takeaway on this is something that Jill told me, which is that. This whole thing, like, yes, it's about sidewalks, but it's also about density. This other conversation that we're having in the statehouse right now, that we're having in all sorts of different ways, you know, legalizing uh, granny flats, ADUs, transit-oriented development, it's a question of density. Um, Because for Jill, and she made this argument to me, 80% of Denver is zoned for single-family housing, and for the city, that's the exact type of housing that costs the most to provide infrastructure for. So this change around sidewalks is also to to facilitate density, to try to guide people back towards seeing the advantages of living in a denser place. Because the multifamily units, they don't have to pay as much for sidewalks. It's a little bit more distributed because it's a denser living situation.
0: So it's sort of rewarding. It's another way to reward density In an effort to get folks more on board with the fact that this needs to, I mean, this, if we want to continue to grow as a city, these are very important aspects of it. Getting more people to be able to live here comfortably and affordably.
1: Reward, incentivize, nudge. Just sort of adjust the shape of the city and the way we live to hopefully something a little bit more... um, aligned with this current thinking about about transit and zoning. And she says this is this is a dominant way of thinking right now in the city. She said there's been a cultural change from her experience working with city folks and that this this idea of like pro density this is the dominant philosophy.
0: I think that is so helpful in this conversation if we think about the bigger picture because sidewalks are are very I guess like You can see the benefit and why we need them. But when you can think about them in this bigger picture of how the city is growing, it's even more, I don't know. That's just, now I'm thinking about it differently and I feel even more excited about getting sidewalks. Someday (laughs) soon. Someday soon. I love it. All right. It's the time in the show when we hear from you our brilliant and hilarious listeners about the things that you care about um every week we like to share comments or answers to one of the questions we've asked that come through the city cast denver hotline uh paul do you want to read we got a couple of
1: texts here's our first one uh this person says hey city cast i thought of a denverite thing uh you're not oh i think they're referring to that funny episode you did with um the folks from Dyktopia. you're not a denverite until yes Um, So here's one. They say, you're not a Denverite until you've worn hiking clothes to a business event, (laughs) which, yeah.
0: It's, I love this, I love this angle on it because a lot of times it's just like a, oh God, in Denver, nobody knows how to dress. But also this angle on it is like, well, maybe because we're like multitasking and we're doing something else. So... (laughs) i would also say there are a lot of brands that have figured this out like i buy some stuff from athleta and it's like business casual but it's also yoga clothes
1: oh really (laughs) oh yeah i haven't noticed that that's funny
0: yeah so there's a whole market for it but this is such a great uh example thank you to this listener i love it i love this i I love this thought coming soon Um, to the
1: casa bonita gift shop (laughs) athleisure formal wear
0: I'm waiting for them to get there. I think that they could be the way that they're, I mean, they got skis. Why not some Casa Bonita business casual yoga pants? We'll see. We'll see.
1: All right. Let me hit you with another one. This is uh, this is a response to uh, our show from last Friday when we were talking about summer camps. Yes. Um, so this person says, okay, so I'm just listening to Friday's show and just have a lot of comments on camps and schools. Just one perspective as one parent, but I typically spend $400 per week for summer <sighs> camp and have shopped ones that are up to $800 per week. So the costs yeah. are extreme and each year the price increases a bit, but the hours are slightly shorter and don't really support nine to five working hours
0: totally oh my gosh isn't that crazy? that like that is so much money
1: yeah yeah it's wild that is a lot of money i didn't realize that's that's what we were talking about for summer camp but that i mean that would add up yeah um this person goes on to say to answer paul's thought on why a bunch of private groups don't jump in to fill the void i think it's just cost of running these programs yeah Mm -hmm. i hear you i hear you uh, and then finally they say, I think podcast summer camp would be huge, especially if you made it broader than broadcast and included YouTube skills. Kids are obsessed. So true. We're on something here.
0: I like We that. are. This is our side. <laughs> it's not a side hustle. It's a full other program. <laughs> How to build a summer camp for podcasters and YouTubers. We could do that, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Got to get some YouTubers. I
0: I love that idea. Well, that idea is for free. That idea is out there for free. Thank you to this listener for sharing that. Yeah, finally, we've got one voicemail.
2: Hi, CityCast. My name is Milo. I've been in culinary for past 10 years or so, and I was really excited to hear your latest episode regarding the uh, conversion from a lot of natural gas to electrical systems, and I have some experience. Uh, there's a company that I'm sure you're aware of, Illegal uh actually this year switched over all of their locations from uh, gas to electric, and there's been some pretty interesting um, changes not just only in the operation, but also in the food quality. And we've seen a good amount of people uh, kind of comment on the lack of uh, flame-charled goodness. And I, myself, have definitely noticed a bit of a uh, uh, downtick in quality as well. And it's something that I think is really interesting, um, specifically because, as, I mentioned, as the episode mentioned, a lot of places don't actually kind of advertise this as an environmental focus. And it seemed like Illegal Pizza was actually kind of in a way hoodwinking, you know, their customers by not being very transparent and kind of doing all this uh, massive overhaul without being very public about it. So I am very curious to know, you know, uh, what other companies in the Denver area, mostly on the higher volume end of things, um, as you guys mentioned, are making these uh, transitions and uh, not actually being very vocal about it. So just wanted to uh Put in my two cents. I love the show and keep up the good work. Thank you guys so much.
1: Bye-bye. Ooh. Thank you so much for calling in, Milo. This is an incredibly good tip. I had no idea Legal Pete's switched over to electric. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And they're they're getting complaints. People are noticing and not happy about it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hoodwinked, to use Milo's language, which I thought was amazing. What an interesting thing, though, is by not marketing it, is there some uh, disservice to your customer base because it could potentially change the taste of your food? That's
1: I I it. wonder. I wonder. I mean, if it does change it, I'm sure in some circumstances it would. With illegal peeps, what are they cooking? You know, they're frying up like peppers and onions. They're fr- they're cooking the meat on like a, a stovetop, probably, in a, I guess, an induction <laughs> like stovetop top. now.
0: Yeah, but that's like, it's not like it's open on an open fire or something. You know yeah. what
1: I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I want. I wonder. I got to get back to illegal pizza, Try this for myself.
0: Yeah. Report back, Paul. I'm very curious. I'm very and curious. also,
1: listeners, if you know about other places that are going electric and not not telling us, <laughs> keeping it secret,
0: let us. We want to know. know. I want to know. We, we need to go do some taste tests if this is happening in more places. Because I will say, I will reiterate. I think you made the best point last week. Sexy pizza tasted like sexy pizza to you. It didn't taste. It tasted like the pizza that you always get there. And I, I had this I had a similar experience in that like tasted fine to me. So this could be something worth investigating in other places. So interesting 100%. stuff. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me, Paul.
1: See you next time, Bree.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell someone using a sidewalk about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya.